This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Now, Fight Back with Libby Snymer on Zoomer Radio. Good afternoon and welcome. Brownout. That was the headline on two of our major papers, possibly the only time the Toronto Star and the Toronto Sun were thinking exactly alike. And so the Patrick Brown saga, which has been sucking all the attention in the PC leadership race, is over at least for the moment, you never know. He pulled out of the race to replace himself as the leader 10 days after he entered it. In addition to the allegations of sexual misconduct, which forced his first resignation, there was a steady flow of charges about improper financial dealings, fraudulent memberships, and rigged nomination races. He blamed all of this on his political enemies and also cited death threats against himself and his family. It's a heck of a dirty business, but the polls show it has not hurt conservative support. So where does this leave things? Here with me, I'd like to welcome Charles Byrd of Earnscliffe Strategy and on the line, Jenny Byrd, political advisor for the Conservative Party of Canada and former advisor to Prime Minister Stephen Harper. Welcome to you both. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having us. Okay, Jenny, so uh, even his resignation was kind of uh, weirdly dramatic with uh, on again. It started with a denial in the morning and then a maybe, and then it kind of, uh, as everything else, came out on Twitter in dribs and drabs. Yes. Um, I, I think at the end of the day, though, the, the, the fact that Patrick decided to, uh, to step down from this uh, leadership race uh, what is definitely positive for the party and what I think most members want. I think most members didn't want him to um, step up and put his name in to replace himself in the first place, especially with so many, um, uh, you know, uh, allegations uh, looming over his head, especially in terms of uh, the running of the PC party and his personal um, finances while he was leader. Uh, Charles, um do you see anything there that would have been a tipping point? It, the allegations have come so fast and so furious over the recent weeks. It's been astonishing to watch the unraveling of his leadership. Um, I think you're absolutely right. It did. It, the saga, as it unfolded, did draw a lot of oxygen out of the room, deprived a lot of very important attention from the other leadership candidates in what is already an abbreviated leadership race. Generally, leaderships take months and months, sometimes in excess of a year, as was the case with the recent federal conservative leadership. This has been a matter of days and weeks, and it's amazing to think that voting starts on Friday and that a week Saturday will actually have a new leader of the Ontario Progressive Conservative Party. Um, Jenny, is that enough time for people to make a reasonable decision? Absolutely. I think that uh, the candidates that uh, that are in the race, at least the majority of the candidates, are well known uh, to uh, to conservatives. Um, I, um, 
are well known to conservatives across the province. I think that uh, it's more than enough time, and I think that most importantly, it's more than enough time for whoever is elected leader uh, to uh, to build a team to get a platform ready uh, and uh, and for the election on June the seventh. As you pointed out um, uh, earlier in the show, it, it it is amazing that all candidates, uh, the three leadership candidates, uh, Carolyn Mulroney, uh, Christine Elliott, and Doug Ford. Uh, are all poised to handily beat uh, Kathleen Wynne. It shows the appetite for change uh, across the province still. Uh, And Jenny, do you find it significant? Uh, Brown didn't come out and endorse anybody. Is is that a good thing for the candidates or is it a a bad thing? Because a lot of the calculus had to do with where his support would go on a second ballot. I, I don't think it matters, to be honest. I'm not sure exactly how much support um, Patrick Patrick had, um, you know, there were always uh, uh, there was speculation. There were polls that were released, uh, but I'm not exactly sure it, it matters to be honest. Uh, who a leader endorses as to whether his supporters will go to a uh, will will actually follow him. It's not a delegated convention. It's done over uh, five days uh, online, uh, and I, I don't think that I'm not surprised he didn't endorse any of the leadership candidates. To be honest, if if I was working on one of the campaigns, I'm not sure uh, I would uh, would really want his endorsement at this point. Mm-hmm. Charles, what do you make of that? Well, where Patrick Brown's vote goes could very well determine the outcome of the leadership. And some of the conservative friends I've talked to suggest that his support was in the range of 20 to 25 percent of the existing membership. I realize that's extremely difficult to gauge, but um, that is a sizable chunk of the party membership. So the first question is, will these folks actually come out and vote? And if so, for whom? And if you believe the conventional wisdom, it's seems the race has become almost a two-way fight between uh, Christine Elliott and Doug Ford. And you can certainly imagine scenarios where Doug Ford is actually the one who emerges victorious, um, which carries with it a huge amount, a huge many implications. Uh, Really? Because, uh, um, well, there have been things that purport to see be internal polls, which I gather uh, you have to take uh, as being highly speculative, but they all show Christine Elliott ahead. And uh, it, the thought was that the second ballot support would go to her, Jenny. Would you agree with that reading of things? I think it's hard to tell. I think that because, as I said, this isn't the conventional leadership convention where uh, you have all your delegates in one place and they kind of follow the candidate that falls off on the first ballot or the second ballot uh, over to another camp. I think that all candidates bring with them some um, unique uh, unique perspective as, as well as um, the reason that they're attractive to uh, to members. I think for uh, you know for for Doug Ford, I think people that are voting for him that are supporting him uh, really want a fresh like really want a, a fresh change. Uh, they want something new than not only just the last few years but the last 20 years of um, you know how Ontario the, the direction of the Ontario PC party probably since the Mike Harris days. Um, uh, you know, we have been out of government for 15 years. Uh, Christine Elliott has definite experience. She was MLA for a long time, and, and Carolyn Mulroney, of course, is, is a fresh face. So I don't think that there is any way to gauge uh, that there is going to be a mass exodus from one campaign to another. I think people will be voting uh, based on what their interests are. And, Charles, uh, one of the things that I find really interesting is that these choices um, Ideology does not seem to play into it so much, because if you were kind of uh, ranking them 
by the uh, left-right spectrum. So uh, Doug Ford would be most on the right, Christine Elliott in the middle, Caroline Mulrooney, Red Tory. But it seems to be going sort of anti-establishment, the candidate with experience, and the fresh face. The dynamic of the campaign so far has been fascinating in as much as Patrick Brown actually came forward with the the People's Guarantee was a very clever um, platform in as much as it sort of took a centrist tone with regards to such um, uh, issues as carbon pricing, minimum wage, uh, mental health. And what we've seen as a result of the leadership dynamic and the need to, to play to a more right-of-center party membership is that the remaining candidates have come out against carbon pricing, have to, to a large extent, come out against minimum wage. And while that may play for Conservative members, it may not play for mainstream Ontarians who actually like those kinds of support and who believe the government should be doing more. So as a result, I think there's um, it's going to be very difficult for any of those candidates, whoever emerges victorious, to hike back to the centre as traditionally happens after a hard-fought leadership campaign and you're preparing for an election campaign. Go ahead, Jenny. I disagree that Ontarians are, are are uh, in support of minimum wage hikes and, and, and the carbon tax. Uh, there's been the, no proof of that. This is something that the, the Wynn government has been uh, campaigning on and, and it's their policies, and they, they steadfastly remain um, behind in the polls. It, you know, it's been a pretty challenging month and a half for our party, but yet all indication is that whoever is elected PC leader on March 10th, they're going to win the election on June the 7th against Kathleen Wynne and those very policies uh, that the three main leadership candidates um, are campaigning against. Well, I'm not sure that it's it's those particular policies. I would say that it's, uh, uh, you know, scandal upon scandal, hydro rates, the gas plants, um, all of that, um, as opposed to, I, I think... Um, my reading, anyway, is that um, despite the difficulties with the way the minimum wage is being uh, brought in, and that actually is a popular thing. It uh, is indeed. I mean, we have to remember that there's a lot of folks over the age of 55 half. who um, yeah. are um, reliant on the minimum wage. So it's a very significant policy move on the part of the Ontario government. And, and in January, there was a significant number of jobs, uh, full-time jobs, that were lost in Ontario, close yeah. to 50,000 full-time jobs. Uh, that's true. Uh, that that is absolutely that the true. The minimum wage hike was brought in. Well, um, you know, the statisticians will tell you it's it's uh, a little bit early to connect the dots on that, but you are absolutely right. And the criticism of the Wynn government is that they could have brought this in. The Liberals had a lot of time to phase this in gradually, but instead they decided to do it uh, before an election. Surprise, surprise. Surprise, surprise. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me. So, uh, Jenny, again, do you think that... that ideology is kind of not exactly a factor in this race? You know, I think there's probably some people that are voting based on certain policies uh, and, and uh, demeanor and style of the candidates. But as I said, if you look at, uh, at all of them running, except for some some uh, niche or unique policy uh, platforms, the main one in terms of, you know, jobs, taxes, the economy, uh, the candidates are standing pretty shoulder to shoulder. And I think that what's what proves good for the party moving on March 10th is the fact that there are so many um, similar items that these, 
these three main leadership candidates are um, uh, in agreement on. Mm-hmm. And and at this uh, juncture, with the the Patrick Brown resignation, uh, who would you say is the front runner, Jenny? L- listen, I I think that um, from what I've heard from all the camps, I think it is uh, uh, Christine and Doug are, uh, are are the two people that we're hearing are ahead. Um, but of course, that's just that's just you know numbers uh, out of out of the campaigns. I don't know if it's. Um, I don't know if there is any way to actually tell until the uh, until the votes are tallied. Okay, so here's here's a general question: If these uh, internal polls are so unreliable, why, why do uh, why do people pay for them? <laughs> I'm just asking. Part of the issue is is that the conservatives are using a weighted system of, of voting, which is to say 100 points per riding. So if you have 30 people voting in a riding like Kenora. That's worth 100 points distributed among the candidates on the basis of what percentage of vote they receive. If 1,500 people vote in Scarborough Guildwood, it's the same 100 points. And so that 30 in Kenora is equivalent to 1,500 in Scarborough Guildwood. That that makes things very, very tricky. It's the same process as the federal uh, conservatives used for their leadership race uh, last May. There are ways that one can, that pollsters can, um, uh, can, can get somewhat accurate results. I think the challenge with this is just the short amount of time um, in terms of signing up leaders. And I know if I was working on a leadership campaign, the last thing I'd be spending money on now is a is a quota poll. Um, I'd be worried more about uh, continued voter identification, getting voters registered, and then uh, starting on Friday, getting getting them uh, getting them voting. Okay. Well, let's <clears throat> sorry. Let's pick up on that. Uh, this is an issue. Um, for people, uh, particularly people in our demographic, the process does not look that straightforward because when you have to start uploading ID and things like that, and there was a big uh, story uh, featuring Frank Cleese, who is not exactly a, a computer ignoramus, and it talked about that he had trouble registering because of transposed numbers and letters. So uh, how is that going to affect the vote? Well, hopefully it hopefully it won't. I know all the campaigns uh, seem to be um, uh, having a process to um, uh, assist uh, any voters uh, that any of their supporters uh, with registration. I don't know personally myself. I have not received my my package in the mail yet. I'm hoping I check the mail tonight when I go home and it's it's there. But I think that the campaigns are going to be doing everything they can to ensure the people they have signed up, the people they've identified as supporters, um, are able to uh, register. And if they're having problems, uh, those campaigns are going to are going to assist with that. Well, I've heard the whole thing's being run out of the basement of the Kremlin, so I think we can have complete <laughs> confidence in the sanctity of the process. I mean, the, the, this is part of the, the challenge of an abbreviated process, which is the very real risk of not only a lot of people being disenfranchised, but also of manipulation. Um, and that was obviously one of the things that Patrick Brown was deeply concerned about in the wake of his resignation, his resurgence, and his re-resignation. Okay, let's take a couple of calls. We've got Joyce in Scarborough. Hello, Joyce. Uh, hi, Libby. Okay, um, when Patrick Brown stepped back into the race, guess what? Uh, if he won the leadership... I was going to vote for him, okay? Now, I don't understand all this backstabbing of his own party. What were they afraid that he would do or not do? Uh, uh, like, it, it's, to me, the party is like a cesspool. Like, like uh, and Mulroney saying he had to resign. Well, 
Why? Why should he resign? He was leader before. What were they afraid of? And uh, I've heard in his Medante writing all good things about this person. And, like, how shall I say? Uh, I, I'm... Uh, I don't. I will not vote liberal, but at the same time, I I'm in a quandary. Am I really going to to vote for a party that backstabs their former leader? Okay, that's a very good question, Joyce. Thanks okay, uh, for your call. Let's go to uh, John in Brampton. Hello, yeah, John. Hi, go uh, ahead. Yeah, I, my comment is somewhere along the lines of the previous caller. Um, uh, uh, suddenly. Uh, Brown is guilty of everything going back to original sin here. And it seems that the party establishment, darn it, they only found out yesterday morning. Well, we know that's not true. So whatever he was doing, they were doing. I, that part should be pretty clear. Um, and, and the other part, it's this. I've been on, on the phones for a couple of days uh, canvassing on behalf of, of uh, Doug Ford. And... Almost everyone I speak with is, is concerned about how to get their votes registered, recorded. I spent 42 minutes last night trying to register. I mean, this system is set up definitely, definitely to make life difficult for Ford, who, from, from my experience, the majority of his, of his supporters will be older and not quite as computer set. So it's time, it really is time, to get rid of the establishment. We need new blood. Okay, John, I'm gonna. I'm going to. That's. Uh, the, thanks very much for those comments. I think uh, there are probably uh, a lot of people who uh, share your view. So I'm gonna let Jenny respond. Thanks for your call. Hi. Yeah, I think that uh, in this uh, in this case, I think it's difficult for all campaigns. Um, as I said, I think that that uh, campaign all the campaigns, uh, uh, Doug's, Christine, Caroline's, uh, Tanya's, they're all going to be uh, out there um, uh, speaking to uh, members that and their supporters and uh, assisting them in being able to register. I'm not sure it it disproportionately affects one campaign um, more than the other. Mm, yeah, that's uh, you know I, I think that. Uh Altogether, uh, PC members probably tend to uh, skew older. I can't comment on. I can't comment on that. Um, uh, as someone that's not uh, uh, very uh, technically savvy myself, um, we'll see how how easy or hard it is when I uh, get my my registration information in the uh, mail. Okay, and I, I will will check in with you. Um, <laughs> uh, so. Um, Charles, uh, just summing this all up, I mean, it, it, it seems to me that while people were riveted by the saga, it has contributed it, you know, possibly in a general way to uh, real cynicism about the process. Well, judging by the callers we've just heard from, I would say that's absolutely right. And, um, I mean, the Conservative Party of Ontario has been through a very, very rough ride over recent weeks, and this goes to their credibility in the eyes of Ontario voters. And there are probably quite a number of people out there who a year ago thought that the provincial Liberals were 
dead and buried come June of 2018. And it now appears to be a very, very different political landscape as a result of, of what's happened and the leadership process and how this vote is conducted and how many people might end up disenfranchised and accusations that Ford has somehow been done over or had will go to the legitimacy of the new leader. And that could be a very, very serious problem for the Ontario Progressive Conservatives. Mm -hmm. Well, so far, uh, it looks like it hasn't uh, affected their poll numbers. Um, uh, Just we're basically out of time. Uh, Jenny, anything you want to leave us with? Well, I think two of the main stories that kind of got buried in the in the in the in the hoopla yesterday were the fact that the Liberals lost yet another cabinet minister um, who who resigned suddenly and isn't running again, and also a former chief of staff who uh, whose sentencing here, uh, hearing is uh, is uh, continuing uh, is continuing today. Uh, in terms of uh, in terms of the gas plant, we're being scandal. trumped by the conservative uh, saga. It's well, amazing to see. Well, uh, I have to say, uh, both of you, uh, our time is up. But stay tuned because we are talking about the Eric Hoskins resignation after the next break. Uh, and uh, now, you know, I said this weeks ago, but now uh, I think uh, the wisdom is that Christine Elliott will run in St. Paul's. Oh. So there we go. Well, that's all over Twitter. So make of it what you will. That'll be a tough uh, one for her. Thank you very much to uh, Jenny Byrne and Charles Burt. Thanks very much. Thank okay. You, okay. Well, as I said, we're taking a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about the resignation of Eric Hoskins, uh, the advent of National Pharmacare, and uh, are the doctors happy now that he's gone? All of that when we return. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.